0: AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show for your Wednesday. Good to be with you today. Matt Patrick here today. Jeff Stein joining us here in just a little bit. Uh, How do you like the new shirt, courtesy of the DFL booth over at the State Fair? There you go. Can you see see Dark Brandon on that there? There you go. Does Does it look pretty on camera, Patrick? I think it looks even better in person. Well, there you go. There you go. Oh! Uh, yeah, I, uh, I I saw this one. I fell in love with it. There is nothing I think that's funnier than conservatives upset because they're, you know, that Joe Biden has taken their let's go Brandon chant, which, you know, once again, if you don't know the story of it, they were, you know, some conservative idiots at a NASCAR race started chanting blank Joe Biden and the NASCAR host basically just said, I think they're saying let's go Brandon because they were talking about this. And so this became conservative giggles. (laughs) Let's go. Brandon became their way to insult the president without saying the bad word. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. Funny story. uh, Joe Biden actually took the dark brand when when basically he started kicking the Republicans caboose and passing bill after bill after bill. Uh he took that from him and it became the Dark Brandon Rising, which is just brilliant. And gosh, the belly aching from the Republican. Oh, I go, why is he using it? Doesn't he know it's an insult? No, it's it basically he's taken it and thrown it back in your face and you don't like it. And by the way, uh conservative NASCAR fan, can I just tell you how much this has hurt NASCAR? Do you realize that all your let's go Brandon chants at NASCAR races that the viewership plummeted and the sponsorships actually dropped? Because, you know, people like myself, well, you know, who's, if I've got a few hours to kill on a weekend, do I want to watch a baseball game where they're not political or a NASCAR race? And you see your problem. You know, NASCAR for a while there was looking like it was going to, you know, kind of maybe even surpass surpass the NHL. But the reality is now it's back to being a secondary sport in this country because of you guys. That's on you. So, yeah, nice job, idiots. Uh, anyway, uh, dark brand and rising indeed. Uh, by the way, you did you when you went out to the state fair, did you do the seed thing at the DFL? I did not. I did. I did look at the
1: seeds, though.
0: You did. Okay. So the you, you know the where you, not the seed art. No, excuse me. At the DFL booth, you know when they gave you a seed, you could put it in the individual tube. Did you do that? I did not do that, okay. but I did
1: take a look at them when okay. I walked through.
0: Or maybe if I was if I misunderstood, I, I apologize. The um, the seed art thing. They they find their they've got their their winners here because I and I put mine in. I gave mine to Steve Simon. I, I gave mine to Steve Simon, so I voted for the 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 um, you know the making voting easier one, which you know did not finish well, and I knew it was it was it was pretty sparse in that too. But I helped out Steve Simon with that one. Uh, the State Fair Minnesota DFL party conducted a highly scientific study of voter preferences. Visitors to the party booth were given a small number of soybeans and prompted to vote for their favorite policies passed during the 2023 legislative session. As a matter of fact, I believe they got one soybean each. Uh, as of 5 p.m. on Labor Day, um, the there here we go, the, the following here, defending abortion access was by far number one. Uh, the 100% clean energy by 2040 was number two, historic funding for public schools, three, universal school meals, four, universal background checks for gun control, five, free college for low-income families was six, paid family and medical leave, seven, legal cannabis was eight, uh, making voting easier came in ninth. Yay, team. Uh, the largest tax cut in state history was 10th. The biggest child tax credit in the U.S. was 11. And the largest jobs bill in state history came in at number 12. Uh, I think those last three basically just didn't have good marketing ability there. But the other stuff, yeah, dominated. And the preserving uh, abortion access, defending abortion access, that was – they actually filled up their tube. And it had to start filling up another tube because it was so popular. Um. The commanding primacy of abortion access could surprise no one. The U.S. Supreme Court's overturning of O.V. v. Wade, uh, proving a dog catches car moment for the GOP, whose unperformance in 2022 midterms was largely accredited by the popular defense uh, to a popular defense of reproduction rights. The DFL didn't probably need any reminding of the issue's importance, but they got it anyway. Voters at the state fair gave a defending abortion access. So many beans that the DFL had to fashion a second cylinder. It's an uh, important reflection, but it was not an inspira- uh, the, the inspiration for the column, though. Uh, as the tax policy work and enthusiastic believer of the value of public investment, I'm eager to point out the surprising lack of enthusiasm for the largest tax cut in state history, which finished 10th out of 12th in the near tie for last place. Well, because, you know, the people that only concern themselves with tax cuts aren't going to the DFL booth. Let's just be honest. You know, the people that are going to be there, that, that, that's the case. The failure of big tax cuts to garner support among state fair poll participants should raise some eyebrows given the uh, notion that everyone hates taxes. Indeed, the casual and uh, consumer-oriented setting of the state fair might be guessed that lowering taxes would receive at least a moderate support, uh, but that would be underestimating the wisdoms of the state fair attendees. Um, The Walls and many of his party are fond of citing their efforts to cut taxes for working families. The political instinct to play into simplistic notions of economic warfare, lower taxes equals more money in your pocket and a high quality of life uh, is understandable. But the state fair poll suggests Minnesotans, or at least those with the beans, know better. Well, workers in the high tax states that have t- tend to have higher incomes and they benefit from more public investment. A better funded government means a higher quality of public services like education and health care. Higher taxes also reduce the necessity of uh, free for use financing like troll, uh, tolls and tuition, and they raise the general standard of living by supporting those struggling to make ends meet. One way of interpreting the beam poll results is to say that DFL voters understand the trade off between taxes and public investment, which I agree with, and they're good with that. That was the attitude shared by 76% of DFL voters and 42% of Republicans on the issue when they polled in 2017. Another way to interpret the state fair poll is to say that the participants rejected the neoliberal philosophy that government should work primarily to improve markets and maximize economic growth. So that's one option as well. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'll say this. I mean, if I were the Republicans, I, mean, I okay, just looking at this list – um. I would say if if the Republicans had the same group of votes i I gotta imagine the largest tax cut in state history would probably be number one just because that's who that's who they are they that's just that's the you know dog whistle stuff for them oh God, what would be the second on this list for them? Oh gosh, I can tell you a lot of stuff here would not. I would say this defending abortion access would not be the last one on that list. That would probably be free college for low-income families, because that is something that just is, that just infuriates Republicans. How dare you? Um legal cannabis might have been the second biggest. Out of this whole list, if I was the Republicans, if this if this list of things was in the Republican booth. The tax cut would be number one. The jobs bill. The largest jobs bill in state history would be number two. That would be number two. Um, legal cannabis. I'm going to guess legal cannabis would have been number three. Biggest child tax credit in U.S. history would be four. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. I'm going to take a leap here. Historic funding for public schools would be five. That's a leap. Um Paid family medical leave, six. Wow. I, I can tell you, I mean, universal background checks is going to be at the bottom here. Free college for low-income families is going to be at the bottom. Making voting easier is going to be at the bottom. Clean energy is going to be at the bottom. And I think all of those would rank below defending abortion access because I think there are enough Republicans that would have voted for that because even they – they they even acknowledge that that was a bad issue. So. It's interesting. To think about though, because yeah, it's it It's it's almost as if this list would be turned upside down. It not completely, but definitely the the tenth and the twelfth out of twelve on the Democratic side would probably be one and two on the Republican side. And I mean, I got to put legal cannabis just because it's the 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 less of the evil options. According to the Republicans, would probably and there's a in plenty there's plenty of Republicans that smoke dope. So just you know that you know you can put that aside. So yeah, no, I uh, that that is that's an interesting thought process. Anyway, I, I'm not too surprised by that. Once again, it's it's the DFL, it's the red meat of the party showing up to their booth. I was there. I saw uh, Rick Hansen, Representative Rick Hansen, out there uh, who was already talking about trying to figure out a better busing system and more efficient busing system for the State Fair. If I may, Representative Hansen. If I may, may I suggest you also focus your attention dramatically on trying to find a way to get some shade in some of the, the Western parts of the fairgrounds, the Heritage Square, the Midway and and over at the by, by the kind of the, the animal barns and all that by the Coliseum. You got to get some shade over there, because one of the reasons why the attendance was down so much is yeah you know it it 's you can 't i mean those areas were brutal on those hot days and just absolutely brutal um yeah i i I think that you need to work on that for sure, but I mean obviously once again, I think you know working on you know making sure that the transportation considering what was it transportation was up thirty three public transportation was up thirty three percent Uh, from the previous year, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. So I'm just really quick here. Pat Garofalo. Yes, that Pat Garofalo. Um, Basically, Pat Garofalo put out a post where he said, they want air conditioning at Stillwater State Prison. Sure, we can do that, but only if we first make sure every school and veteran's facility has new air conditioning. We prefer to take care of the kids and heroes before we take care of the criminals. Now, He's doing this, not, you know, it's not about trying to fix the problem, because he's not going to introduce a bill to to give AC to kids or to veterans. Let's just be honest about it. But he's doing the until this happens thing. But to a point, I don't necessarily disagree with him. I think that if there are need for schools for AC and need for veterans, there's oh by all means and of course we have to talk about the water quality issue, and I'll get into this more coming I mean, up in the next in, in next hour. We'll talk more about the prison situation when it happened, now at Stillwater. but now it's still water. But real leadership would be to say, here is my bill to put AC clean water all schools, veterans' facilities in the Stillwater prison. I'd ba- and I'd said I'd back that. Garofalo responded, I'm actually reading this for the first time. That might be true in a world of limitless resources. But we don't live in that world. I rank a lot of my priorities ahead of extra spending on air conditioning for prisons. Just my opinion. I do appreciate you shaving. I have a point. Maybe the nicest thing you ever said about. Uh, let's see. Uh, about uh, about me on social media. Have a good day. Well, you know, <laughs> you've said some really goofy stuff. And and I would and I would say this. You know. We – one of the things that makes Republicans really mad about Minnesota is that if you came on out and if, if you introduced a bill and said, you know what, I'm going to raise everyone's taxes by four cents, four cents for everyone in the state of Minnesota. And that money will go directly to buy air conditioners for the veterans' home, the, 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 all the schools, and for the Stillwater Prison and get, make sure clean water. And I know I'm just pulling a number out of my caboose. But it wouldn't need to be much in a state of 5.7 million people. You know, if you had, OK, what maybe maybe 10 cents a person, 10 cents a person, no one would feel that 10 cents a person that would get you 50 million dollars of funding that you could put AC in at the, the Stillwater prison. You could put it in at the schools and the veterans homes and make sure they have clean water. That'd probably be enough right there. If people do, if you if you went out there and said, we're going to raise your, your taxes 10 cents, but here's what that money is going for. People would approve it. And that's what I think it is a problem. Now, I could point out that all these people that claim to be Christian on the Republican side, uh, there's, a, there's a special little thing about taking care of prisoners. That Jesus, yeah, that Jesus, the one that makes Christians Christian, uh, that he basically told us to take care of the prisoners, the, the meekest of us, making sure we take care of the, the needy and the meek. And so by sitting there and saying, I don't want to help them, well, you know, I, I, I don't know what church you're going to, but, you know, you might want to check that Gospel of Matthew. Uh just just saying. Uh you know, I I i you know I'm saying, but I mean I I don't, you know, representative if I may. You know, if, if I can get I'm gonna give I'll tell you what, I'm going to give Pat Garofalo another bit of mild bit of credit. When I started on this station back in twenty ten, he was a far right loon ball. But he saw what was happening to his district. That the district was getting more people in it. It was becoming more liberal. And the guy was one of the few people I've seen that, you know, he's not trying to do a, a Walter Hudson sort of thing. He basically understands that if I need to represent these people, I need to change who I am. And he did! Not completely, he still votes along lines with the Republicans, but he does actually sometimes put forward, shocker, moderate Republican policy, like old school Reagan policy. He seems to, at least he understands that, and I can give him some credit for not staying out on that far right extreme. But the reality is, is if you bring up a legit point that we need air conditioning in schools, we need air conditioning at the veterans' homes, and clearly the Stillwater prison's got some problems, well you're a legislator, you're a representative, solve the problem. And yeah, that might mean having to raise taxes 10 cents. But if if you were to ask me, my family, I would have to pay 50 cents more in taxes, but I'd have AC in all the schools, in the veteran centers and at the prison. I'm cool with that, man. Because I can see where my tax dollars are going. I'd rather have that then pay 50 cents more just to make sure some wealthy billionaire in the state gets another tax break. That's not doing us any good as, as, as a, as a people. So, Pat, it's not a bad idea. Seriously, dude, find a Democrat, sit down and hammer out the details of this. Cause I bet you could do this. And this, this would be good. This would be a good thing. Making sure all the schools have AC, making sure all the veterans homes have the AC, and fixing all the problems, which apparently are multiple, over at the Stillwater Prison. Ta-da! Good luck with that. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the number. Uh, we'll take a break. Come on back. want Before we get to Stein, I want to talk about a story out of Idaho, which I want to talk to him extensively about. It is pretty interesting. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show, 952-946-6205. See, I mean, I, there are some things there. I think that that's not a bad idea, man. I, I mean, seriously, some of the VA stuff, veterans home stuff is subpar to say the least. And there are schools, including a lot of the schools in the inner city that do not have air conditioning. And it's 90 degrees. It's 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 brutal. I agree with that. But at the same time, I also don't believe... In they're human beings. I don't. I know they're prisoners, but they're human beings. They don't deserve to be baked alive in their cells. Like they're was that down in Louisiana where the people dying in their cells because they're baking to death and people sitting there saying they get what they deserve. Well, they got a twenty-year prison sentence, not a death sentence. They didn't. They didn't. We we don't have torture. This isn't the freaking Spanish Inquisition. We don't torture people to death like you guys are doing. And by the way, it's funny as they they try to argue that that they get what they get. They sure try to hide the fact that these people are dying in these prisons. That's for sure. Uh, conservative policy, though, is 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 kind of, uh, uh it is one of those things where they they generally have a tendency of leaping before they look, and this is a prime example. There is a fantastic article from the New York Times, which I am going to recommend you you, you try to find. I, I had someone link to me a gift. Version of that on one of my tweets so that you might be able to go see it through that. And I highly recommend it because it is it's exposing a huge problem for these these Republican states that have gone full anti-abortion and in the point of even taking it to the point of threatening legal action against their doctors, the gynecologists and the obstetricians who treat women who are pregnant. One by one, doctors who handle high-risk pregnancies are disappearing from Ohio, part of a wave of obstetricians fleeing restrictive abortion laws and hostile state legislatures. Dr. Caitlin Gustafson, a family doctor who also delivers babies in the tiny mountain in town of McCall, is among those left behind facing a lonely and uncertain future. While caring for patients with pregnancy complications, Dr. Gustafson seeks counsel from maternal fetal medicine specialists in Boise, the state capital, two hours away. But two of the experts she relied on as backup have packed up their young families and moved away, one to Minnesota, the other one to Colorado. All told, more than a dozen labor and delivery doctors, including five of Idaho's nine longtime maternal fetal experts, So this is basically over half the state's experts in maternal fetal pregnancies have either left or retired by the end of this year. Dr. Gustafson says the departure have made a bad situation work worse, depriving both patients and doctors of moral support and medical advice. Idaho's obstetrics exodus is not happening in isolation across the country. In red states, Texas, Oklahoma, Tennessee, obstetricians, including highly skilled doctors who specialize in handling complex and risky pregnancies, are leaving their practices. Some newly minted doctors are avoiding states like like Idaho, but Dr. Kylie Cooper left. uh, Kylie Cooper is the one that left St. Luke's in uh, in April for Minnesota. Uh, After many agonizing months of discussion, she said she concluded that the risk was too big for me and my family because they actually have charges. And in Idaho, it's so extreme that even in some cases where the life of the mother is in jeopardy, that they cannot perform an abortion, even when the life of the mother is in jeopardy. That's how extreme and they will throw you in jail. And as I said this, I can't imagine what it must be like to be a licensed experienced doctor, a medical professional and seeing your expert medical opinion being overridden by some toothless junior high dropout who said, I don't like what you're going to do. I know about science and all. And that's what's really happening here. Now, Toothless junior high dropout probably is a little too generous of a term for most of the people serving in the Idaho House and Senate. But still, in Oklahoma, where more than, listen to this, where more than half of the state's counties are considered maternal care deserts, three quarters of obstetrician gynecologists who respond to a recent survey said they were either planning to leave, considering leaving, or would leave if they could. Think about that. Three quarters of the state of Oklahoma's obstetrician and gynecologist said they were planning or leaving, or if they could, they would go. Two, uh, three quarters in Tennessee, where one-third of the counties, this is Tennessee, this is supposedly kind of a built-up state, but a third of their counties are considered maternity care deserts. Um, a maternal fetal specialist, Dr. Zahida Sprung, Decided to move to Colorado not long after Dobbs' ruling. She grew up in the South and felt guilty about leaving, she said. Here's where it gets crazy. So this is John Vanderwood, W-O-U-D-E. He is the Idaho chair of the House Health and Welfare Committee. Yes, he's a Republican. Here's a quote. So once again, they had these retroactive laws in place so that if Roe v. Wade actually got overturned, they went into effect. And at no point did they ever think about what was going to happen. We never looked that close at what exactly the bill said and how it was written and language it was in, he said. We did that thinking Roe v. Wade was never going to get overturned. And then when it got overturned, we said, OK, now do we have to take really close to look at these definitions? After the fact, Mr. Vanderwood also dismissed doctors' fears that they would be prosecuted. And he expressed doubt that obstetricians are leaving the state, even though the, the, the story quotes two who are leaving the state, two of the specialists that they have in Idaho, and they don't have a lot of specialists as it is. Out of nine, two of them definitively have left. I don't see any doctor ever getting prosecuted, he said, and show me the doctors that have left. Well, just look up nine paragraphs in your own damn story, you freaking idiot. Toothless junior high dropout. All right. When we do return, I want to talk more about this with Jeff because this is creating – this exposes two huge problems. And on the political realm, and one that's really going to hurt the people of Idaho and Oklahoma and Tennessee and any of these other states that have these really aggressive anti-abortion laws. 952-946-6205. Jeff Stein, when we do come on back, it's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Jeff, 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 Jeff. Jeff, J-E-F-F, Jeff, J-E-F-F, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Jeff Steins, our national and presidential expert, noted author. Find his books over at Next Chapter Books over in St. Paul and uh, TotallyIowa.com, the Iowa Business Report and the Iowa Politics Report. By the way, we don't give you enough credit. That Iowa Business Report is actually very entertaining to read or to to listen to. Uh, The Iowa Business Report, the Iowa Politics Report come to us from his flagship KXEL in uh, Cedar Falls, Waterloo. Hi, Jeff.
2: Matthew, you're very kind. Good Mm -hmm. afternoon. How are
0: things? I'm doing well. Do you see my shirt, man? I
2: did see your shirt.
0: Yeah, dark Brandon Rising. Because you're
2: still in front of the camera, it's hard to not see (laughs) the shirt. No, I do like that. It's dark <laughs> Brandon. That's that's very nice. Uh, yeah, I I mean, feel, I feel this like- is for the audience's benefit. <laughs> the the, the long suffering audience. I log into the, the video hoo-ha, whatever it is, and there's a commercial, and here's here's this grumpy man playing with his phone, and then Hi. he gets up and then walks to the camera to where all you see is his torso.
0: Yes. And I rippling muscles, the... rippling muscles, like fan art for Trump. Well, you know, again, <laughs>
2: basically you've got Joe Biden's face. And so, you know, you were making it so that he was winking. Yeah, you were am, it, was, yeah. it was great. <laughs> that's what i see i log on to do this after you know the horrible day where i'm sick of the sound of my own voice and that's what i see is matt mcneil's chest
0: two things one that is totally me though i'll go up to you like i'd go out to a restaurant and I'd grab your head and just do you see this <laughs> yes how can i not yeah, see it?
2: it it truly is you that is fair that is uh, very
0: true. uh the other thing is this dude do you so wh- whose show are you filling in on today Oh, I
2: filled in on the uh, Todd Starnes national show again wow. last minute. So I, uh, I, you know, Matt, I did TV this morning. Did I did you? my uh, local show. I did the national show, mm-hmm. and now I am regaling fine folks in the Twin Cities in the greater Hopkins area with my wit and wow. wisdom. A lot of people it's in Eden a Prairie, a
0: little people in Eden Prairie where the station's actually located at are going mad, but you know, that's where I live is in Hopkins. So shout out that's, to that.
2: I was, I figured somebody at home was listening. That's why I, I. <laughs> oh, gave in a my house?
0: Up. Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no
2: well <laughs> so we live at the same place yeah exactly. has
0: has there any radio host ever had a spouse who regularly listened to their show no
2: <laughs> well as a protective measure yes so that when the neighbors come up and say did you hear what he says like oh my god uh, no nope, it, nope. it's it's more for protection on their part.
0: Oh, she likes BB King's Bluesville on Sirius XM, and I'm not going to stop it. So there you go. Best that's not true, yeah. All right. So I, I don't know if you – did you get a chance to read that article I sent you from the New York Times? I gave it a quick look. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is interesting because this is something that's clearly – a repercussion that none of these i don't think these republicans really thought this through when they put these retroactive bills in there they just they put out these we're going to prosecute doctors we're going to do all this stuff and all this stuff kicked in the second roe v wade was overturned that it was sent back to the states and it's clear in some states that they haven't that this is something they haven't really thought about the consequences of these bills they eagerly passed when Roe v. Wade was there to protect them from their own legislation.
2: You're referencing a piece in the New York Times that you may have talked about on the show already or not. Yeah, I just, don't briefly know. Before, I just briefly
0: before we came on the air. Here, so. okay,
2: perfect, perfect. That's, that's enough that it makes the point. Republicans for 50 years, 49, 50 years, ran against Roe v. Wade, right? Yeah. They fundraised against it. They said, just get us the right number of justices and we'll make it a state's rights issue as it should, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And because they couldn't affect it, any change on the national level, they did what they could on the local level. They would pass laws that were triggered if there was ever a change. It's really safe to pass laws that are triggered when you don't see that there's ever going to be a change. You can you know, beat your chest, you can say, look at this, we're going to throw doctors in jail, you can do all of that, but they never planned for what if Roe was ever overturned. And this is the fallout you're seeing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: People quoted in that article, yeah. mentioned, this had unintended consequences. Okay, a lot of pieces of legislation do. They have unintended consequences. And that's fine, you go correct it later. But this was the kind of thing where... You know, holy crap, It, it, it well, it's sort of like the dog that chases the car. One day the dog catches the car. Oh, my God, what do I do with it now? I don't have opposable thumbs. I can't drive. I can't reach the pedals. Okay, so they said for years, wait, just got to get Roe versus Wade overturned. They weren't ready. The triggers didn't work. In some cases, the laws go back a century. There, then, then there is this debate about, well, should there be a national law or, or not? For 50 years, you said it was a state's rights issue, and now you want to federalize it? I mean, it's yeah. there's no strategy here. And more importantly, forget political strategy. To your excellent point, they did not think of the ramifications. The idea is let's hold people accountable. Mm-hmm. You want to make something criminal, a criminal offense, someone has to be accountable. Are you going to make the, the mother of the child in, de- in gestation responsible? Well, that's not very popular. All right, we'll make it the doctor's. Okay, doctors say, see ya. I'll go to a state where I don't have to risk this. Mm-hmm. I mean, who do you find responsible? If you start saying the hospitals are criminally responsible and there's a huge fine, <laughs> oh, guess what? They're
0: shutting there down.
2: There won't be any obstetrics, gynecology wing. They already are having a hard enough time because of insurance, and that's pre docs mm-hmm. So it's a very difficult situation because, again, nobody really thought through what would happen. Because I don't think they honestly thought it would ever happen.
0: Well, and it did. And this just shows you how bad their, their strategy has been because, you know, you've been working on this, working on this, working on this. I think when Trump got into office and you said, at least we're going to get two Supreme Court justices, you know, that they, they, they should have thought through this and someone should have gone back and looked and they didn't. And by the way, some of these even go back, what, a hundred plus years, you yeah, know, absolutely. way back. Well, some of these laws that re- re- retroactively kicked in. And, right. and what we're not talking in, in, in Idaho, particularly in this article, it's not talking about abortion as any kind of you know choice for a woman. They're talking about there are women who are going to die if they don't get an abortion, and the the Idaho law is so restrictive that there are some cases in that scenario where a doctor can come in and say, "Here's my medical provi- position." And some politician says, well, you can't do that. And so you're talking about, you know, and, and as the woman, the, the doctor that uh, the story is about talks about, these are not people who want to get rid of kids. They've got nurseries, they've got names, they've already planned on this. This is not something, a choice that they're making, but that even you know trying to give medical care to them as they go through this horrible situation for themselves where they want this child and the child you know that that, that there's a decent chance the mom's going to die if she gives birth they basically they, they they the thought that they could as a doctor go to jail by just trying to save the patient you know it it doesn't surprise me and the 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 brain dead narr- narrative of Idaho on this that they haven't really gone back and tried to fix this or clarify this all they've got is at the towards. I don't know if you saw the uh, part of the article where the the one guy from uh, the, re, the Republican there that was on the the committee. He said, "Well, they should just trust us. We're not going to prosecute them." What do you mean? That's the law. <laughs> the law says you're going to prosecute well, them.
2: Imagine if they said that about something else that that the left did, someone on the left did, and I don't know what firebomb a building, protest, whatever, whatever mm. it is that they want to demonize. Well, don't worry, we won't prosecute. Really. You want to take a chance? <laughs> uh, and and and, and in, in its very basic take the politics out of it form. Okay, yep. because that this whole issue has been politicized way too much over the half century. If you have a law that says the procedure is illegal unless to save the life of the mother, you then become it then becomes a medical question. And that's your your point. The doctor could say, in my opinion my medical opinion, my years of experience, this was necessary. Who's to say a jury of 12 citizens without that background, if a case is brought, might say, we don't agree with your medical opinion and we are going to impute some kind of motive that isn't otherwise there. You're not going to take that risk. You're not mm-hmm. going to do the procedure. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to because again they just didn't think it through now it's fine for a prosecutor or a politician to say well don't worry you know trust us until we get to the next regular session they can
0: say that but I'm not taking the chance, are you? No, and well, and it's, it's similar to that law that passed down in Florida, where they were basically going to kick out all the, the the farm workers down there. And the one Republican who represented a bunch of farm area in Florida was out there pleading with the farm workers, "Don't leave. We're not going to prosecute you. We're not going to do this." Well, that doesn't do any good because the state law is one thing, and you, I get it, your your constituents, the the Republican farmers who basically have gotten you into office, are now furious that all their good farm workers are leaving. Because because of this far-right-wing rhetoric, but the reality is is you can't argue nuances after you've passed the law.
2: Well, it, it, exactly. You can't argue nuances. And, and again, if this is not what was intended, the only way, the only way to change it is to change it. Yes. governor cannot issue an executive order. I suppose, arguably, and this is the biggest stretch possible, you could file a lawsuit challenging the law, even though you might have been in favor of the law, challenging the law, saying the application of the law is leading to consequences beyond the legislative intent, and so judge, please invalidate the law until there are further hearings consistent with this matter. But who's going to wade into that? Yeah. I mean, because, you know, again, you're going to have to have, in essence, a majority of the legislature signing off on an amicus brief saying, oh, we didn't know it was going to do this. <laughs> That's just not the rule of the court to then come in and say, all right, we'll put a freeze on this law because you guys hosed it up. That's not what
0: they do. Uh, by the way, th- here's the other side of this 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 problem mm-hmm. for them. They are creating these kind of. Obstet- uh, obstetric and, um, and gynecological, gynecological uh, you know, you know, zones where there's just no doctors available. In Idaho, right. up in the northern part of the state, they've actually shut down two clinics up there. So now it's, they have to go two hours to to get any kind of uh, maternity service for uh, for a patient. Um, and, and they also go in to talk about Oklahoma where three-quarters of the, the doctors, uh, the obstetricians and, and the gynecologists in Oklahoma are saying they will leave if they could. Uh, And, you know, so you're creating these kind of medical care dead zones here, which the impact on society is going to be pretty dramatic. Even in Idaho, what was it? Out of the nine experts they had in Boise, they're down to less than five now, or they will be by the end of the year. And don't tell me that that argument, you're you're going to basically have the same quality of health care within Idaho that you are, say, in Minnesota.
2: Well, there are two things. One, our conversation and our inability to say certain words is why everybody calls it OBGYN. Yeah. Because you and I just can't say these. <laughs> you no, know,
1: I will. It's, I'm, it's, right. I, have,
0: I, I have the desire, but it just doesn't. I can't make the. I can't stick the landing there. So those are my bad.
2: <laughs> Brother, it's been that way all day for me. That's all I can tell you. All right. Sorry to bring it to your party. But how much of a crisis in all. In all uh, seriousness, how much of a crisis do you have in the rural areas of Minnesota getting the minimum of health care, attracting doctors to rural areas? Now, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but you have to aggressively. I mean, communities band together. They get a regional hospital. They bring these people in and offer them fantastic deals like we'll waive your law school, your, your, law school, your med school uh, uh, loans, etc. It's hard to get Good rural health care. Yeah. Now compound it with this, by a factor of whatever. You're making a bad situation completely untenable. And that's just, <laughs> just what, what it, that's, that's the reality of the situation. You know, this is, this is again an issue of, uh, the, the problem I have with most lawmakers, and I don't care at what, what level, Generally, they are law-abiding people who try to pass laws to govern the behavior of those who are not disposed to, to follow the law. You know, like, for example, uh, you get picked up for drunken driving, they suspend your driver's license. And, oh, my God, he still drove without a license? Well, yes, we mm-hmm. wouldn't think of it. You know, like, you'd, you'd walk back to the house to get your wallet because you don't want to run the risk of driving without your license on you. There are other people who are like, well, I need her keys, and even then that's optional. Okay, so the people who craft these laws often have gaps between what we put in the paper and what is in reality, and the reality of this situation is literally substandard medical care for large geographic areas and large segments of the population.
0: Uh, You mentioned Minnesota, and there was a link in that story which talked about maternity care deserts. That's what they call them. Uh, In Minnesota, up on the Arrowhead and Lake Cook County, on the very point there, they're they're considered that way. Up in the northwestern part of the state and the southwestern part of the state, these conservative areas, which brings up the other problem here is, so say you are a, a state like Idaho, how are you going to get doctors there? You basically write laws that say if you do, if you use your medical opinion and your, your knowledge to try to save this person, as you pointed out, you could still have a jury throw you in jail for two years for basically doing a procedure they didn't approve of. It's it's very difficult to sit there and say, hey, come work as a doctor for us, work in maternity care for us. And they, you know, after you've told them, oh, by the way, we're going to prosecute you and throw you in jail if you do something we don't agree with. I mean, it's it's similar to the teachers thing where in rural America there's a lot of teacher shortages. And I said, have you guys tried to be nice to the teachers? Because I see a lot of you guys screaming at teachers and then all of a sudden wondering why the teachers don't want to come work for you. I mean, this is it's the fact that these these doctors mentioned here that have already left Colorado, Minnesota. That's not a fluke. They're going there because those are where medical conditions for the doctors are better.
2: Well, and again, I'm not making light by equivocation, but we have an issue in Iowa now where they're playing a lot of high school football games on Thursday nights. Why? Because there's a shortage of referees. And so you don't have enough if everybody plays Friday. You know, Matt McNeil's ref crew has to work both Thursday and Friday, and that's only because they moved the games to Thursday. And why do we have a shortage of referees? Because fans have acted like idiots, and they have, you know, yelled at the referees, just like we yell at teachers or make it untenable. You don't go where you're not wanted. And it's one thing to say with potentially 50 different abortion laws with 50 states. It's one thing to say, well, I'll just go to another state. That is, that's not fine, but let's just go with, it's fine if you're talking about the actual procedure of abortion generally. But again, what about the female health care issues that permeate all of this, that because of the lack of nuance in these laws Because they never thought they'd have to be used, or if they did, they didn't realize, oh, we didn't think of that. Okay, but this is what you're going to get.
0: And, you know, you get to a point, too, then it's you get pregnant, Do you stay in your state. I mean, if if it's that kind of a a drop mm-hmm. off in quality of care, I mean, it's it's I don't think it's that that too much of an exaggeration. That I think you're going to start seeing some massive exodus just on stuff like this alone. Where you know, if if I get pregnant, I want to have it, make sure I have a chance to to have my kid and have the best medical care. That's not in Idaho. Clearly not from this article. All right, let's take well a-
2: and again. If you've got you know uh, a heartbeat bill, a sixteen week, a twenty week, whatever. Um, and, and to your example, you want to carry the child to term, but there are complications. Yeah. Do you, after week 20 say, you know, just to be safe, I'm going to move North for the winter. I mean, gosh, that's not what people had in mind.
0: Well, and and exactly. And especially now you have some places where they're saying, well, if you go out of state and we find out that you you know had a procedure we don't approve of, we're going to prosecute you then. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so it's <laughs> this is a mess. Nice job. You've made a this is getting really bad. And once again, specifically, Idaho, Oklahoma, Tennessee. Don't get sick there. 952-946-6205. Let's take a break. Uh, Tario's uh, conviction yesterday. We'll talk about that. It's the Matt McNeil show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Jeff Stein joining us for his usual Wednesday visit. Uh, Jeff, yesterday Enrique Tarrio is uh, sentenced to 22 years in prison. So far, the longest sentence handed down in the January 6th insurrection uh, fiasco. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm frankly, I wish it was a lot longer. Uh, you know, it's interesting to watch all these guys get – get into court, get to the sentencing, and then act as if, you know, this was harmless, I'm really sorry, especially when, like, 20 minutes before they're in the courtroom, they're on some far-right news outlet talking about, I'd do it again! You know, you just, I, I can't tell you how happy I am these guys are going to go to jail for a long time.
2: Well, you have to like the one who, after he was sentenced, as he's being let out, yelled, Trump won. At least he doubled down in the courtroom. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, as opposed to I'm a sniveling little worm in front of the judge who can deprive me of my livelihood. Um here's something that I find interesting. Vivek Ramaswamy, Republican presidential candidate, issued a news release today reiterating that he will pardon once he is president, he will pardon all non violent january sixth offenders. Define nonviolent for me, please. What what does that mean? Because that is the loophole to drive a truck through. Mm -hmm. Because all some of these people have to hear is, pardon January 6th defendants, and they are all in. Mm -hmm. But then it's going to get tricky. I mean, DeSantis did the same thing earlier where he was saying, well, you know, uh, I'll look at all of these. If it's solely political persecution, you know, come on. I mean, yeah. there's there's nothing to that because there's no definition to it.
0: Well, it Non-violent. it's It's your perfect definition of you sprint to the extremes in the primary because yeah. the vast majority of people want to see these people in prison. They, they think they're guilty that you know, they remember that. And so it's not a winning platform when you get to the general and it would, you know, it's, you know, these guys are setting the trap for themselves. I mean, if, you know, I don't think either one of them is going to be the nominee, but if if they were. I can't wait for them to, when did I ever say I'd pardon these guys? You know, it's- well, that's
2: when they say, that's when they say, well, I said nonviolent.
0: That's, that's,
1: well, okay, that's, oh, you know, yeah.
2: that's nice. I mean, that, but that, I think see that's the nuance, right? That's yeah. the, well, what I really, I, I, I said nonviolent because, you know, we have rule of law. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's how you get around trying to get elected. Then what do you do if you actually put your hand on the Bible? Do you pardon them in concert with the primary view or the general election view? Uh, That's interesting.
0: Do you feel that the the Proud Boys are getting the sentences they deserve?
2: I don't know about what they deserve because I haven't followed it closely enough, okay, Mm -hmm. to to really get into all of the specifics. But, um, you know, organized efforts that went well beyond what an average person would find to be common sense. uh, And if the punishment is consistent with other like acts done by other individuals in other situations, you know, that's why we have federal. Uh, sentencing standards and guidelines, you know, they're within parameters It is to avoid there being an abuse of justice or a, an abuse of discretion. And you look at some of these things and it's like, OK, I don't care how many videos Tucker shows. There's still some people smashing windows here. Yeah. And doing other things. And, 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 so, and beating cops. Hmm. Yeah,
0: and, and exactly. And, and I think that as well, it just it's you know, the the thought that these guys, most of these guys, are not even going to see, you know, freedom until 2040 um, is, is, I, I think, uh, that gives me some solace. But yeah, a dark day in America, that's for sure. Uh, Jeff Stein, once again, the Iowa Politics Report. I'll post later. Jeff, thank you much. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Dark Matthew. <laughs> you got it. Hour two up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Wednesday. By the way, once again, uh, Stein, not only will we have that uh, for you to podcast here fairly quickly, if it's not already up there already, uh, but we also re-air that interview on the weekends. You can listen to the Jeff Tyne half-hour extravaganza on the weekends right here on AM 950. Great weekend programming, too, for you. If you haven't uh, been listening, it is fantastic. Make sure you check it out all weekend long right here on AM 950. Patrick, if I may, uh, you what is your biggest sport, TV show, movie, Hobby? What is your biggest one that you're the biggest fan of? Uh, right now would
1: be football. Football? Any specific team? Oh, I love the Vikings. Mm-hmm. I also follow the Gophers on the side. Uh, but general, I keep a general. I keep fairly close tabs on the NFL. Maybe a little less on college football. All right. So, but the Vikings would probably
0: be your favorite team. Yes. Then. All right. Uh, I, by the way, did do my fantasy football yesterday. I'll, I'll 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 tell you what what my team looks like here. I, I don't. I'm not too. I'm not too. Uh, I'm a little concerned. <laughs> I'm already. Uh, I got Jackson from Baltimore, uh, the, the running back from Jacksonville, Etienne Junior. Right. Yeah, Travis ETN. Etienne. Etienne, thank you. Thank you. White, uh, the running back from uh, Tampa, who's going against the Vikes. I got to trade him out. Uh, Jamar Chase. I got. I got him. They, they took. They took. I couldn't get uh, our guy here. I couldn't get uh, you know, the. Uh, uh, Justin Jefferson, so uh, Metcalf, Allen, Engram, the Saints D, and the kicker from Atlanta, who's actually pretty good. So I'm feeling okay with that. So that's you know for you football. And we, by the way, if you're wondering why I just did that, we talked fantasy football yesterday, and my draft did not go as I expected. Damn it. <laughs> um, you like football? If, if I was to walk into your house, would you see? Much it would be like a Vikings jersey on the
1: wall or Vikings, you know, souvenirs, knickknacks, anything like that? Actually, not really. Okay. Um, not as much as when I was a kid. It was everything I had was Vikings, but now you'll see I have one Justin Jefferson jersey, and that's pretty much about it these days. Uh I I like a lot of different things.
0: I don't think I have anything particular that's more dominant than the other stuff. But I do have a lot of <laughs> get ready, kids, ladies. Are you excited? I have a lot of Doctor Who stuff. Oh yeah, I like Doctor Who. I like the twins. Uh, I've got i got other things, knickknacks and baubles and stuff I've gotten over time that you know through the radio that I, I like. Then I and I got you know very cool. I'm very I much enjoy that. There is being a fan of something, and then there's over the top. Let's go to Hudson, Wisconsin. As a child, did you ever want to have a Barbie dream house? How about a seven-bedroom palace painted top to bottom in the Pepto-Bismol pink that is known for Barbie, complete with themed decor? Have you seen the house over
1: there in Hudson? I have. But when you said this house was in Wisconsin, I'm like, oh, well, it's got to be green and gold, right? <laughs> Apparently not. I, and, and I don't know.
0: There's got to be an ordinance in town. Wait a second, Harry. You can't have a house that color. Apparently so. The Barbie core, Barbie core Castle is what they call it. It's a house. It's not a castle. Uh, the house situated in Hudson is listed by Jenny Martin and Associates at a Diner Realty for $1.1 $1. 1 million. Who wants to have to buy a lot of paint after that? Uh, it boasts a movie theater room, hot tub, swimming pool, two full kitchens, all located just one block from the St. Croix River. But, you know, you have to live in Wisconsin. <laughs> Oh the greatest Futurama jokes of all time is like, "Hey, this place is great. Why is it so cheap?" Well, technically, you're in New Jersey, and he just leaves. I'm <laughs> done. I'm done with it. You know, hey, it sounds great, but you gotta live in Wisconsin. So there's your downside. The current owner lists the home as a Airbnb. Now, here's where the only reason I am bringing this story up. Now, I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff here. Did you see the nightly, nightly cost of the Barbie house on Airbnb? I did not. $2,269 per night. What? Maybe the reason you're selling it might be because you can't get anyone to go in there because it costs
1: 2200 that's like That's like Taylor Swift tickets. I mean, even if you have 10 friends, that's still 250 bucks a person.
0: Well, and you, you do have seven rooms, so someone gets to bunk together. <laughs> Hi, Barbie. Hi, Ken. Uh, according to the Airbnb listing, which boasts the house as being great for bachelorette parties, the mansion sleeps 16 people. Each bedroom is decorated in Victorian Barbie themes. There's a private outdoor pool as well. Uh the good news for you, there apparently is some rooms in the house that are kind of wood and themed for the Kens. But still, yeah. How long could you look at that pink before you're like, okay, this really hurts? That's the problem. It's like day glow. Would you ever live in a day glow house? Lime green day glow or yellow day glow like it's a like a highlight marker? <laughs> Did you did you paint your house with sharpies? What'd you do? Ugh, <laughs> uh, I you know, hey, you want to know the truth? It doesn't. It sounds like a bit of a decent deal at one point one million, but the question here is: I, first of all, can you? How many of the neighbors are liking this whole idea? How how many of the neighbors have to walk out the door and see that house next to theirs? So my guess is going to be is the neighbors are going to be over there with a bucket of cookies. When are you painting it? You know that <laughs> how long?
1: So so you put new siding on? Oh, that'd be great. On the other hand, though, if the house is listed at 1.1 million, isn't that uh? You know, going to jack up their values a bit too, which may be a good or a bad thing, depending on your perspective.
0: Well, is it? But is at one point do you, do you have Zillow up or anything like that? What what what's the price of a house there in Hudson? I mean, you're what is it? it's not on the St. Croix. You're located one block from the St. Croix. Right yeah, on. so you're you're not. It's it's kind of like being near the ocean. And sure, in some places like San Francisco, if you can see the ocean, you actually get a better price. Uh, up there, I mean, it's, I had some friends that sold some house out there in Daly City, and they said because their top floor could see the ocean, they ended up getting <laughs> they bought the house for like a two hundred thousand dollars way back when. They ended up getting like four million for it. I'm not joking; it was insane. But the you know I I don't know. I mean, the the big houses that are on the river there they're pretty pricey, but yeah, I almost wonder is one point one million. Especially the pool and hot tub and all this stuff, is that is it is the pink actually causing the price to go down? So I I I don't know. If you're buying it, it's going to be the end of the day. And I can't believe anyone's buying this as an investment property just to Airbnb it out, because you're just you know you you can do that with a hundred and fifty two hundred thousand dollar condo, but one point one million dollar house, it would take you decades to get that payback if you ever did. So I want to get back into the story that's here about the SROs, the the student resource officers in schools. And once again, I want to point out that the Republicans across the state are lying about what this bill does. That this bill, they say – Prevents them from stopping a murder. No, actually, the bill goes out of its way to tell police officers, you can do whatever, an SRO officer, that they can do anything they need to do if someone's life is in jeopardy. They say, it can't, I can't stop fights. No, the bill says bodily harm. No, you can, you can stop fights. They say that they can't stop drug deals. If they see a drug deal, this SRO stops them from – no, 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 no. Crimes are – you can still enforce the laws and crimes. You see a drug deal, fine. You can do something about it. And the one that they're trying to make stick most of all is the idea that if they come across two people fighting in a hallway, if they just pull one kid off the other kid, well, now I can get sued. Once again, back to the whole bodily harm thing. If any of those scenarios are happening, you can basically say, guess what? There are no laws that apply to me, and you can go. And I can tell you right now, even I would make an argument, even with Mary Moriarty here in Hennepin County, that if any of those things were even slightly true, you're going to get the pass. So what does this stop? And I got to tell you, I have, since I started talking about this story, I have gotten a ton of people talking about just day-to-day harassment that they have gotten from SROs in schools where there doesn't seem to be any accountability for their actions. And, And generally it comes down to, an SRO f- with with basically no evidence of a crime or no or no real reason to suspect a crime, basically, you know, profiling certain kids, and then after it's proven that the kid hasn't done anything wrong, they say, "Well, you, you have to understand, I, I have to do my job, and there's no consequences for what you're doing." Some of these cases involve, you know, just, you know, a kid coming up. And one, one mom said her son didn't say anything, but someone in the crowd said something which the officer didn't like. The officer thought her son had said it. Officer grabs the kid, physically grabs the kid, walks with one hand on an arm, one hand on the neck, and drives him down to the office. Wait a second here. What are you doing? You're physically assaulting somebody. And they haven't done anything wrong, you're accusing them of doing wrong. And by the way, these people that I'm hearing from on this are just like me. If I was to hear of my child being physically mauled by a cop for no reason, damn right I would be mad. And all these parents keep coming back with this whole thing. Well, the school basically says the resource officer can do this. They can? If I was walking down the street... And without cause, a cop just grabbed me by the neck and my arm, and you know, dr- you know, drove me into a cop car for no cause, no reason. Guarantee you, there's going I'm going to be getting some money from the city. <laughs> I guarantee you, I am. Indeed, thank you very much. Just don't um, put a few zeros there. Thank you. They can't do that, but it seems like what has the cause of this? Why this law has been written? Is that there is a lot of this that these SROs? There, there was one story a woman was talking about her her son and another kid had done a, a, I guess a school science project, and it didn't go how they wanted, and they were arguing, not fighting, just arguing in the hall. And the SRO officer came up, grabbed both of them, threw them up against the wall, told them to spread them, and and you know kind of you know treated it as as they, this was there were criminals. And they are both very shaken by this because this was nothing to do with – there was no threat of violence or anything. They were just upset with each other over a science project not going well. And next thing you know, they're up against the wall getting frisked. The story, though, I hear most of all is of girls getting searched by SROs, um, which once again, boy, we are in some real murky water here of a search by an officer of a minor in school without probable cause. Now, there is one story. I'll, I'll give you one story that there is a little bit of an out here for the SRO. The SRO saw a was, was in the school. Girl comes in, opens up her purse to get like a mint or something like that, and she sees a prescription bottle there. The SRO, and obviously, once again, there's a lot of you know, opiate abuse and stuff like this. Just ask her, you know, by the way, I saw a prescription bottle there. Is that prescription legit? Now, there are two ways that student could answer, and neither one of them should, re, you know, equal into them being persecuted any further. They could say, oh, no, here it is. I've got a prescription. It, was, it ended up being her birth control. And they said, she said, oh, okay, no problem. I imagine that would have been the case. Or she could have looked at him and like, I don't have to show you what's in my purse. I haven't done anything wrong. And really, the SRO shouldn't be doing anything. That's not what happened there. Once again, grabs the student, grabs the kid, takes him down to the office, and apparently in front of other people, searched her in the office. And once again, came like, well, you know, you haven't done anything wrong here, but I just, you, know, you have to understand my point of view. No, no, we don't. You're over-aggressive and you're using harassment techniques. That's why this law exists. And that was the one case I heard about that seemed to give at least a little bit of an out to the SRO. Some of these cases, just it seems like the SROs are just going up to girls and saying, empty your purse without cause. You can't do that. That's, you are, you, 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 there are supposed to be rules against unjust search and seizures. And just because you think someone's doing something doesn't mean you you basically can search a minor in a school without parental consent. And so they basically went out to write a law that, once again, if there's a kid trying to kill someone, fine. They can stop that any way they want to. If there's a fight going on, the, the SROs can stop that any way they want to. If there is a drug deal or a crime going on, They can stop that person any way they want to. They can pull people off a a, a hog pile of of, of fighting. They can pull that. There's not going to be any consequences. But what it seems like is the officers want this ability to harass teenagers, children, At will, with no consequence. And the reality is, is if we were in our regular world, if we were in an office building, and an officer without justification or cause came up to you and said, I want you to open up your purse and show me what's inside of it. And you said, wait a minute, I haven't done anything. Why are you doing this? No reason, I want to see it. Open it up. Well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to open up my purse. Okay, fine. Grabs that person and hauls them down to an office and makes them dump their purse. I'm sorry, there's a lawsuit there. That is what we're trying to do, and I'll even piggyback this on what the teacher told me when she was talking about the deterrent in wealthier white suburban schools, where they know that there are parents there who are very wealthy who have lawyers on speed dial. The whole point of this law seems to be to give the police the same level of 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 you know um, decorum that they would give in that school in all schools and that's all we're trying to do here but i have i have been inundated with the amount of stories of sros and you know basically forcing kids to 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 go through pat downs forcing kids to empty their pockets and they haven't done anything wrong and when the parents find out about this and they get mad well there's a call to the school real freaking fast. And, and the school basically says, well, they have, they have leeway. So you fix that problem. You can't just search a child without parents being present just because you got a hunch there, Starsky. You can't do that. And you shouldn't be able to do that, not in our society. But that's what the Republicans want. And that's what the Republicans want. They want the police to be able to grab your kid without warning by the nape of the neck and put them up against the wall and frisk them because they think something could be wrong and then they don't want any consequences for falsely targeting a kid. If they thought about what they were doing prior to doing it, then maybe they wouldn't do it. So, no, I don't see a reason. And Governor Walls, if I may make a question here, a a question your your integrity, do not have a special session here. And I'll give you a really good reason why you shouldn't have a special session. I'll talk about this in a little bit. The Republicans can't even, they don't even want to identify what the problem is. They're trying to scream there's this big problem, but then saying, well, then the Democrats have to write it. No, I'll talk more about that in a second. But I want to make sure I point out something else here. As much as the police try to put this argument, they're like, "All oh, cops are mad. No, they're not. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of police officers that are still with SROs in schools. And shame on all the freaking Twin Cities news media not pointing this out. I'll talk about that when I come back. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. So I want to, you know, continue with this because, once again, the the stories I am hearing do really dictate that you should have some rules in place where that a SRO, uh, a student resource officer in a school, a police officer who is working in school district, should not be able to randomly search people just for the heck of it. Because if you did that in the real world, you'd get sued. <laughs> the city would be paying some money. Or wrongly drags a kid against the hall or pats them down in the hall because they thought something was going to happen. No, no. That we they basically put a standard on the, the, the police officers that this is something that you have to have just cause to do this. You can't just harass kids. And once again, I, I have been inundated with stories from parents across the state of SROs basically sc- clearly crossing a line. And manhandling teenagers. Demanding searches, putting people in prone positions and uh, you know, up against the wall, patting people down who haven't done anything. That's not that's not good policing. But the argument the right's trying to make is: look at all of us. All cops are on board with no, they're not. No, they're not. I'm actually going to first go back to. The reformer story, which I read about a week and a half ago on this, I think maybe a week ago. The League of Minnesota Cities, which ensures all but nine cities in the state, issued guidance on Monday about the new changes in a memo outlining some scenarios where the use of force is lawful. For example, officers are not allowed to physically stop a student who is throwing a a lunch tray on the floor and shouting, according to the League of Minnesota Students, uh, cities officers would be able to use force. However, if the student is throwing one of those trays at a kid or is using a uh, breaking glass with a metal bar, because it could result in physical harm. So, if a, you come into a lunchroom and the kids throwing a tray on the floor, the cop can't tackle him and tase him. All right. If the kids throwing a, a tray at someone else, yeah, you you can you can you can still do that. The authority to use force as the sole purpose of restraining a student has been removed from the law. I want to repeat that. The authority uh, authority to use force as the sole purpose of restraining a student has been removed from the law. Thus, force cannot be used where only justification is to control the behavior of a student who is damaging property, causing a disturbance, or acting out in a way that does not pose a threat of death or bodily harm. You you have kids, especially uh, 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 learning disabilities, kids with learning disabilities, who might lash out and – You know, they might be having, you know, be throwing a a temper tantrum. And then we've seen these video footages of officers in schools nationwide grabbing that kid and hauling them down there. Now, if the kid's trying to throw throw punches at the teacher or kicking the teacher, well, yeah, then once again, threat of bodily harm. You can, you know, even a young kid at that point, you can pull that kid away and take them down to the office. But if the kid's just in the corner screaming, you can't just go in there and tackle them and tase them. And this is not liberal Matt McNeil. This is the League of Minnesota Cities, which insures all but nine cities in the state. So there are some very specific words here. Then there was this little gem in the reformer story. Mendota Heights Police Chief Kelly McCarthy said she believes the many cities will follow the League of Minnesota Cities guidance since it's their insurance provider. McCarthy, a former chair of the Minnesota Peace Officer Training and Standards Board, said she believes panic around the law change is Political. I think the hysteria is partisan. Now, there have been some mentions that not all police departments are on board here. There have been some mentions of it, but not a lot. And just very briefly in stories, there are these. There's, there's some cities there. Um, some other districts will retain their SROs. Both Duluth and Rochester police departments say they'll continue their SRO programs this fall. They're keeping them presumably in light of Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison's interpretation of the new statute. So I want to talk about that for a quick second. This isn't, you know, some small town. This isn't Grand Rapids, which is not necessarily a small town, but it's, you know, a smaller town. This isn't Grand Rapids. This isn't Park Rapids. This isn't this isn't, a, uh, you know, necessarily Brainerd or or anything like that, these are two, uh, outside of the metro area, the two largest metro areas in the state, Rochester and Duluth. And both of those cities, police, are fine with this SRO law. They're fine with it. Which really kind of undercuts all these Republicans screaming at the top of their lungs that every officer in the state is against this. No, they're not. I'll go on to add, Wallace has also alluded to several districts that managed to keep their SROs in place without a special session, including Bloomington, Chaska, and Minnetonka. Bloomington and Minnetonka are two of the largest suburbs in the metro area. Bloomington, I think, is the biggest one. They don't have any problem keeping their SROs. You want to skip past that, don't you? You want to make it seem like not a single officer is going into these schools. No, a lot of officers are going to these schools. A lot of school districts are still keeping their SROs. And by the way, I'll make your point, especially at Chaska and Minnetonka, that goes back to what that, that teacher told me this weekend, which was basically, you know, if you've got a school district where you don't know if the parents are, are you know, wealthy millionaires with a lawyer on speed dial, it changes the perspective of how the police interact with the kids. So this entire argument that every cop is against this, that's just bull. Minneapolis-St. Paul don't have SROs anymore, so the two largest cities in the state don't even have them. Duluth and Rochester and Bloomington are all keeping them. I think that's three, four, and five. So what are you talking about? which is, by the way, in DFL Democrats do not fall for this. They are trying to make an issue out of this, not because of truly a problem, but because they don't have freaking anything else to run on. And if you look at the facts, okay, Minneapolis, St. Paul don't even have SROs anymore. Uh, the three next largest cities in the state, Bloomington, Duluth, and Rochester, well, they're all putting their officers still in the schools. So who's the problem here? Is it Tofty? Is it is it uh, is it uh, Turtle River? Is is that the the mighty Metroplex City that school that's going to that that has all these problems? Come on, please! This is trying to scare white people. And by the way, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to come back, and this, this is exactly what it is. It's trying to scare white people by implying that. It's going to be chaos in their schools, and the reality is I've actually heard from a lot of teachers that said, I've never had a problem in my school. This is about trying to scare people by basically saying, if we can't keep those people under line, your kid's in jeopardy doesn't make any damn sense outside of it's only politics and there's another huge fault with the republicans when i come on back i'll talk about that 952-946-6205 952-946-6205 changes the narrative of the story a little bit when minneapolis st paul rochester bloomington and duluth are all still either don't have sros by choice or they're still going to have their sros it changes the narrative a bit we'll take a break come back the matt mcneil show right here on am 950 Uh So once again, the only thing this law does is say if there is no clear threat of violence, then a police officer cannot basically just grab a kid and and drag them down to the office, which apparently, like I said, considering the amount of parents I've heard that this has actually happened to their kids, is actually a pretty good-sized problem. So there is a validation to this law. That basically an officer, because they've got a hunch or a suspicion, can't just throw a kid up against the wall, pat them down, drag them by the nape of the neck down to the office, and throw them into into a room and demand they get searched, at least without their parents being aware of this. We're talking about minors here. And I get it. I get A lot of people that are defending this are only thinking of this happening to black kids. Let's just be honest about it. It's the black kids. We got to keep the black kids under the line. That's what they're keep saying. It's not about their kids because my kid's a wholesome individual. I don't have a problem. But this is apparently happening everywhere. This is – it's clear that this is – there is an element of this pro SRO can do anything they want to that is being fueled by the idea that when it comes to poor kids and black kids and Native American kids and Hispanic kids and Asian kids, that the cops should be able to crack their skulls because they're not thinking about their kids. And the reality is is this. Is there any parent listening to me right now that if they knew their kid hadn't done anything wrong and you found out that the the student resource officer – at your kid's school, the school resource officer at your kid's school had grabbed your child by the nape of the neck, hauled them down to the office and made them empty their pockets and dump their purse to prove that they hadn't done anything and that when they found nothing on your child, they just sort of said, well, you have to understand. Would you, anyone who's a parent be okay with that? Because that's kind of what is happening in some places. And it is political. Like I said, the fact that Duluth and Rochester and Bloomington Minneapolis-St. Paul. Minneapolis-St. Paul don't even have uh, school resource officers anymore. Bloomington, Duluth, and Rochester, the next three biggest towns in the state, all said, okay, fine, we're okay with the rules. So who's really having a problem with this? It's people who basically want to push an agenda. Speaking of which, Ramsey County Sheriff Bob Fletcher. Now, Uh, He basically has joined in this whole argument here. you got to listen to this crap. This is talk about a guy trying to scare you into his position. Fletcher is an absolute tool. Um, The law says officers can use only restraints on students in certain situations, basically, if there's violence or a threat or there's crime going on, but not just because I got a hunch. Ramsey County Sheriff Bob Fletcher joins the growing number of law enforcement agencies in Minnesota. By the way, once again, CARE 11 on this story. CARE 11, at least I don't think in this story, mentions Duluth and Rochester and Bloomington and Minneapolis-St. Paul not having school resources officers. But, it, oh, there's a growing number. Oh, that's a growing number. Here is Fletcher. Today, kids went back to school and they're less safe this year than they were last year, says Fletcher. I'm adding emphasis. The primary issue is that officers need the flexibility to restrain a person to the ground. What? Ramsey County has six SROs in schools and pulled all of them, Fletcher said, it was over liability issues. Well, if you basically feel you'd have the flexibility to take a 15-year-old and throw them to the ground and grind their face into the ground, Fletch, then, yeah, maybe it's a good thing that your SROs are out of the schools. Dear Lord, the SROs serve several schools in the county, including Moundsview Public School District and the alternative schools in Little Canada. We're going to see increase. Here's, here's Fletcher. Yeah, get ready. Get, are you scared? Here you go. We're going to see an increase in disorderly behavior because those officers are no longer there all the time, said Fletcher. So you see the value of SROs, so why take them out of the schools? We can't have the risk of one of our officers being accused of a crime and doing their job. Well, then train them, Idiot. If I may say so, Sheriff Fletcher, then train them to not just be Johnny Law, walking tall. I'm going to keep these kids around and make sure they know who's boss. Is this really that hard for you guys? Uh, And once again, uh, in this story, not mentioned, Rochester, Duluth, Bloomington, Minneapolis, St. Paul, do not have SROs, or they have, have, Minneapolis-St. Paul does not have SROs. Bloomington, Duluth, and Rochester, the next three largest cities in the state, all are keeping their SROs. They're good with it. As is many other school districts. But this is the narrative, the Twin Cities news media, shame on you. You guys are selling this as every school district in the state is, is being abandoned by the police. It's chaos in the school, zombie apocalypse. Shut up. You're not doing your job, and you're only carrying water for this crap-ass claim. By the way, if I may, Bob Fletcher, funny story. uh, I want to remind everyone of a story from October 27th, 2021. Ramsey County Sheriff Bob Fletcher authorized spending up to $35,000 in county funds for the planning of his new independent charter school, According to the paperwork provided Wednesday by the county, the money paid to consultant Donna Swanson in 2019 and 2020 appeared to be for laying the groundwork for a creation of a school of leadership for public service. The sixth through 10th grade charter school envisioned in the news release Fletcher's office issued last week. The money was sent to Swanson, a teacher who taught three of Fletcher's children at the local office of Tony doom supply company, a Marshall Minnesota political sign maker In the company's temporary St. Paul office, the office was the same street address as Fletcher's campaign office during the successful election run. Needless to say, that is a wreath of conflict right there. But at the same time, it kind of points to that Bob Fletcher clearly is not a fan of the public school system. So I think we can all ignore Bob Fletcher at this point. Republicans are out there pushing out this. I got from Dr. Joe, he sent me. Something from one of these groups talking about, we need to contact and pressure Governor Walls into a special session. No, you don't. And here's the thing when Republicans talk about this problem, what are they saying? The law is vague. Well, no, it's actually not. It's actually pretty clear. And once again, I want to re- repeat, the League of Minnesota Cities, which ensures a lot of these states, has come out with some very clear language on what you can and cannot do. And, and once again, they insure all but nine cities in the state. So they're on board with it. Keith Ellison has basically clarified that this is what you can do. The governor has clarified that this is what you can do. Everyone is on board with this. So when you talk about vague, what are they really saying? And I'll go back to that audio we played last week where we had the the journalist saying, what lines do you want to change? And Duckworth was sitting there, the Republican, because they don't want to say it. And this is why this is such a travesty. They've been able to create all this hubbub with a basically a lemming-like news media in this town – not because they've been very clear about what the problem is, but because they basically have been able to avoid actually explaining what they want to change. They want it to be zero consequence for officers who wrongly threaten, harass, you know, detain, grab, throw to the ground, search, pat down. Student that they have wrongly targeted, that they want to be able to abuse the kids in the school as they see fit and not have any consequences. And that's it. I mean, that's why this whole thing is is so ludicrous. This entire bill is about adding the very bare freaking minimum of consequences for this action putting out a level of accountability to say, you know what, you can't just grab a kid, drag them down to the office, and demand them dump their purse and empty their pockets just because you have a hunch. You can't physically grab a student. You can't forcibly pat them down. You have to have more than just your gut instinct. And when your gut shows you how stupid your gut is, how dumb your hunch was, that you can't basically just say, well, you know, no hard feelings there. I know I kind of grabbed you a little rough and threw you to the ground. But, you know, <laughs> I think you can understand that it, we're we're all friends now. Bull crap. And like I said, if that was my kid, you better get your checkbook out because you're going to be writing a big old check. And that's what we, they want us to treat officers as these absolutes that basically should never be questioned. And the reality is I have heard myself of numerous stories where officers, the SROs are crossing lines, searching kids without cause, restraining kids without cause, patting kids down, being too aggressive with children here. They can't answer this, and that's why Governor Walsh, if I may, before you agree to any kind of special session, they need to show us what the law is they want to change that the the exact verbiage that they want, and my guess is they don't want to show it to you or for the public to see it because it's just that they want to tell you as parents. You don't have any say. Your kid can get clocked by a cop and you don't have any say because that's just education today. And it's not. All you conservatives like like to scream out there about whatever happened to the days of Mayberry. Well, Barney wasn't out there putting 12-year-olds up against the wall and say, like, I'll shoot everyone if I have to. You know, he's not doing that. That was an interesting Mayberry episode, though. You know, that was. (laughs) No, we didn't just put cops in just to basically harass kids. And once again, I don't have any problem with an SRO as long as they're not there trying to be walking tall. As long as they're out there understanding that you can't just grab a kid by the nape of the neck and haul him down to the front office and have them dump their purse and empty their pockets because you got a hunch. Or you throw a kid to the ground because he said something I didn't like. And when you bust out a tooth of his mouth, basically look at him and say, well, you know, I hope you understand I had just cause here. So, you know, we're friends now, right? No and you should lose your badge and you should basically the the police department should have to pay money for your bad copping. So, Governor Walls, they have to produce the changes they want to make before you have the special session. They're desperately wanting you to call a special session without them having to publicly admit what they would change and the verbiage because they don't want people to see it and if you call a special session without them having the exact verbiage you're giving them the out and so just to have a public statement and say hey as soon as they l- deliver the republican party it delivers the exact verbiage they want in this bill then we'll have a discussion about a special session until that time I'm not just going to go out there on a fishing expedition. That's how you do it. But none of this, this is just, all this is, is Republicans desperately trying to turn this issue into this grand issue. And with the help of the freaking lame-ass Twin Cities news media who basically want to basically write every damn one of these stories from the point of view of your kids are about to get killed. Stop it. Do your damn jobs, will you? Dear Lord. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I did mention as well. Uh, the, what's going on at the Stillwater prison, which is it's kind of interesting that this is I, I don't I'm kind of this is actually a pretty big deal. Tuesday marks the third day of protests for betting living conditions at Minnesota Correctional Facility in Stillwater, which remains in lockdown after people jailed at the facility held a peaceful action on Sunday afternoon. About 100 incarcerated people refused to return to their cells for before 3 p.m. on Sunday, instead sitting in a common area and playing cards to decry reduced showers, phone, and recreation time, as well as the dangerously hot rooms and poor water quality. Now, wait a second here. What are you talking about there? I get it. It was hot days, but you're saying there's no air conditioning at all in any of those, those cells? I mean, dude, you do realize in Texas and in Louisiana, they're actually having people die by being restricted into hot cells in prisons. And no, somebody serving a three-year prison sentence didn't sign up for a death sentence. That's not what the sentence is. I I mean, these are are not – Excessive luxuries. These are not, you know, Netflix and and, and and DoorDash. these are, you know, making sure they're not roasting alive in a cell. And what's this about poor water quality? That's one that seems to be getting up there. They have seen that the water quality in this the prison is atrocious. This amid near record heat on Labor Day. The facility will remain on lockdown until the Department of Correction reviews details. Of the incident, develops a plan for the safe resumption of the population movement, according to the spokesperson, Andy Skugman. We don't have a – I don't have a timeline, but I can tell you the wheels are in motion. I can't specifically answer what safe resumption of population movement looks like until there are more discussions. But I would say that we're confident normal facility operations can most likely occur. There were no violent incidents on Sunday, according to prison officials. All but two people returned to their cells. Staff placed the two men in solitary confinement. Scoogman confirmed that there remain restrictive housing as of Tuesday afternoon. Well, at least it's cooled down now to where it's not, you know, roasting alive. Dozens of family members and civil rights activists continued the Stillwater protest from outside the facility on Monday with uh, reports of, of that some incarcerated people, uh, people have fainted from heat without access to air conditioning and cold water. What? Wait a minute. You actually have people actually fainting, you know, getting succumbed to the heat. And you're not doing anything to fix this? Tuesday, the supporters protested at the governor's temporary residence at the University of Minnesota's mansion uh, to press for urgent solutions. Until we get this stuff fixed, we cannot just close our eyes and act like these things didn't happen. Haynes said Governor Walsh has stepped in to ensure fewer lockdowns and guarantee access to visitation rights, showers, and clean water. I I think the clean water, too. I mean, I'm a little concerned about – wait a second. Are you saying – what are they drinking out of a sewer line? Or are the lines so corroded and, and, and with copper and lead that they're un, – un, you, you can't drink out of them? Or are the wells themselves – I don't know. Is this on this? is it Stillwater Prison on a well system or is it part of the city water? Is, is there a problem there? Um, 1,400 incarcerated people could be eligible to live in alternative housing under the state's workforce release program, which allows low-risk incarcerated people to work full-time. Um, You know, so there, there, there's that option, I guess. He also wants to see earlier implementation of the Minnesota Rehabilitation Reinvestment Act, which of uh, August 1st allows people to earn an, an early release from prison but is not expected to be implemented in the near future. I'm going to go back to what Pat Garofalo said because, you know, you know the truth is I don't think a kid should be going to school and roasting in a classroom. I don't think a veteran should be in a hospital or in a home and roasting in the facility. But I sure don't think that we should be having – you know, is sitting there and acting like prisoners roasting to the point of health conditions kicking in in cells is somehow good for us as a society. I'm not talking about pampering and pedicures and rubdowns. I'm talking about cells that basically they're not cooking like a burrito at a gas station microwave and water that's drinkable. Those aren't exactly high bars to achieve. And I think that Schools, VA homes, and prisons, we can fix these things. Uh, Native Roots Radio up next. We're back tomorrow. Until then, see ya.